of us at ERA Carroll Realty. We're about more than real estate. We're about family, friendship, and community. Time for new tires? Your timing couldn't be better because Midas is rolling out the best deals on top-rated tires. Buy three, get one free with installation on Cooper and Hankook tires and up to a $100 mail-in rebate. Midas also has big savings on brakes, shocks, fluid flush, even save 20 bucks on an oil change. Check out the Midas ad in the Country Bounty for details. Roll into Midas before the end of the month for these big savings. Midas Tire and Auto on East Brundage Lane in Sheridan. Do you ever use words that you don't know the meaning of just to make yourself sound more photosynthesis? Well, at the Health Nut, you don't have to sound all that smart to feel better about yourself. You can do that at the Healthy Soup, Salad, Sandwich, and Smoothie Bar. And aisle after aisle of healthy supplements to keep you sharp as a centroid. In an organic grocery store that is just as smart. The Health Nut, on Sheridan's 5th Street, where you will always leave feeling calculus. Is your window having a hard time rolling up and down, slow, getting stuck? Novus Autoglass can replace your window regulators along with windshield replacement and repair. Novus Autoglass is an insurance preferred provider. Any visual impairments, the window doesn't have to be broken. Big or small, we can fix it all. Stop in or call today to make an appointment. In some cases, we can get you in the same day. Novus Autoglass, 347 North Main, 672-0139. Wrap Plumbing and Heating has been serving Sheridan since 2010. With all these years of experience, you can rely on them to handle all of your plumbing and heating needs. From new construction to remodels, repairs of existing systems to retrofitting, Wrap Plumbing and Heating can do it all. They are professional, clean, and courteous. Call 429-1196 for all your plumbing or heating needs. As we like to say, if you find a leak, let Dan take a peek. First Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 cash and a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media. As part of their community commitment, 307 Discovery Center is receiving these funds per random drawing. Could your organization be next? We're giving $1,000 to a qualified nonprofit organization every week. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Sheridan Media present Community Commitment. Member FDIC. This is Public Pulse, your information and conversation program, brought to you by First Federal Bank and Trust. You can voice your opinion by calling 672-KROE. That's 672-5763. Now, your host for Public Pulse, Floyd Whitey. Good morning and welcome to Public Pulse. I am Floyd Whiting. Now, it's a bit chilly out there. The roads were actually pretty good coming over this morning, but there is some fog, as you can tell by looking out your window. Uh, That really didn't start until just outside of Sheridan. If you are leaving town today, I just want you to know, as far as I know, uh, you will be driving out of the fog. Now, the Wyoming Game and Fish has been gathering proposals from their biologists and game wardens for the upcoming hunting seasons. If you would like to participate in this process, there is a series of meetings coming up that you may wish to be a part of. Joining me this morning to talk about these meetings and some more, I am joined by Game and Fish Public Information Specialist, Christina Schmidt. Good morning, Christina, and welcome back to the show. Good morning. How are you doing in all this weather? 
Uncle. Yeah. I, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm done. I'm done. I, I need. I I need I need more warm yeah. <laughs> more warm weather and less snow. It's it's been long. This has been uh, this has been a winter. It really has. Uh, you know, even even uh, those who love winter are kind of at the end of their rope with this one this year. Yeah, I mean, I think we've had ground uh, snow on the ground since like November. I mean, I want to say so. It it, yeah. it just seems like we're in a pattern of snow event. Snow event, snow event with, you know, a little bit of warming and then more snow, a little bit of warming. And yeah, it's been long. Just enough to keep you hopeful, right? It warms up just enough to remind you it's not like this all the time. It brings you out of your dreariness and then you wake up the next day and there's new snow on the ground. Yeah. That's something that I've noticed. But every once in a while, you get a morning like this morning where we're driving over, super cold, all that frost on the trees. It's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah, it really mean, is. Just, holy cow. Yep. And you have one of the one of the coolest jobs. Um, you get to go back into places and see animals and plants and wilderness, the likes of which like a lot of people don't get to do. But you also get to participate and and cover some of these fascinating studies. Uh, I, I was lucky enough to tag along with you one day when we, we were studying those deer. The Upper Powder River. Watching those heard. captures. Yeah. And what a fascinating process that was. I mean, it was absolutely amazing. Now, all of that information and more is is being used by our biologists that work for Game and Fish and the Game Wardens. They accumulate all this information every year. They put their proposals forward not just to the commission, but also to the public. Can you can you explain these meetings? Yeah, of course. So hunters who have lived in Sheridan know, um, and actually statewide, this is the time of year, like you said, our wardens and biologists are working together and putting together proposals for season structures uh, for this coming fall. So uh, it is a process. Uh, in Really, it's almost a year-long process, truthfully. Um, I mean, really, the thought and the information that goes into these proposals is gathered all year round. So, um, But March is the time where we do start uh, putting these proposals out in front of the public and getting feedback. Uh, so... Um, Wildlife is a public resource, and so that is where, you know, the the Game and Fish Department manages wildlife for the benefit of the public and and the resource. So it is uh, definitely a collaborative effort. We welcome hunters uh, and people who just love wildlife to come and learn um, about the seasons and, you know, in general, what's going on with local populations. Uh, Like you said, there's a lot of research projects going on right now. Lots of different things. So um, the way the season setting happens is we start with open houses. So these are just informal, come have a conversation. Um, We will have printed copies of what the proposals are. So um, these proposals could... uh, change nothing in certain hunt areas. Some proposals may change season length, like earlier or later opening or closing date, might change the number of licenses, uh, might do antler point restrictions. I mean, there could be, you know, changing, uh, you know, all kinds of things. 
related to that season. Um, or like I said, sometimes there's no changes proposed for an area. So uh, this just gives folks a chance to come. You can pick up a printed copy of these, look through, and the wardens and biologists are going to be there and you can have these one-on-one conversations, ask questions, you know, what's the reasoning behind doing this or how do you think this is going to help or, um, you know, just a conversation. It's, it's really informal. It's in open houses, just like it sounds. Um, so the Sheridan one is from four to seven. It, that's not a three hour meeting <laughs> that you have to come and sit at. People get a little nervous, like, ah. Uh, but, uh, no, it's just drop in as you can. So if you get off work, go home, eat, come back. Um, it's more so you're making yourself available for the next right. three yeah, hours. Yeah, it's just we're going to be there for three hours for whoever can come during that time frame. Um, they are also going to, we've been doing this the past couple of years, um, the district biologists are putting together their proposals in like a PowerPoint presentation that will go on the website so you can look there. So just in case you can't come to a meeting, you would be able to go on the website and see those proposals. All of that will be listed on the website as well. So if you can't make this meeting, definitely that information will still be available to you to look at. Um, and uh, we do take written comments at these. So there's, uh, we always put sheets out where you can um, write your comments, what you think, for, against, or nothing, um, you know, it's just optional. And uh, we take all of those. They're looked at um, locally first. And uh, our wardens and biologists, based on those comments, might make some adjustments to what they've proposed um, before they send on to the commission. In addition, the commission gets all of those written comments as well. So everyone sees all of those comments. You know, a lot of people say, oh, I make this comment, it goes nowhere. The commission reads, and our local folks read, every comment that comes in. We do. Um, if you write it down, if Director you write it down, is going to see it. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. So, um, and then, you know, all of our commissioners... Because they do have the final say. So all of these are proposals until they make the final decision. So um, also online. So a couple things. So you can provide the written comment. You can even take that sheet if you want and mail it in later. Um, there's Your a comment ma- sheet. Your comment sheet. If you, want, if you want to have time to sit and think about these and put thoughts together, you're welcome to do that. Or you can go online. We do have an online submission uh, button. With all of the regulations, you can read through that um, and and provide your comments there. Um, that March 29th is the final date for uh, at 5 p.m. to get all of those comments in. So you can either mail them or do it online, either one, or provide them at the meeting. Regardless, they're all compiled. They're all disseminated for everyone to take a look at and, and considered. So um, taken into uh, yeah. consideration yeah. as as they go forward to make these decisions for the year. Yeah. And you know, th- so this is one part of the process, but like I said, it, it goes year year round really. I mean from the population surveys, which are the hard numbers to, you know, hunter harvest surveys, you know, when we send those out to hunters at the end of the season saying, Hey, how was your hunt? Were you successful? Were you not successful? How long did you hunt? Um, You know, all these questions, all of that information is incorporated. Um, Information we get from check stations in the fall, Um, you know, again, looking at success, looking at age of, you know, our age classes of animals that are getting harvested. Oh, yeah. 
research information if there's if if any of that is available and then lots of conversations um not just formally like like this with our meetings but just one-on-one conversations that we have with hunters in the field landowners um of course landowners are a, a huge um provider of, of habitat certainly in our area uh for wildlife so all of those conversations all of that data gathering is going on year-round and it's actually all being used. Uh, I didn't even really know how it was used until you and I started talking about it. Um, I mean, but information from hunters through these surveys, through these check stations, it's like having another set of eyes out there on the mountain. Uh, so when you stop and you have these conversations, uh, it's, it's not an interrogation. It's a, what'd you see up there? Right. How yeah. was it? Yeah. Uh, you know, did you happen to pass by a that monstrous herd that we know is up there or something like that and 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 where were they and how did they look you know so it it is uh, it's a big partnership going on it is uh like i said wildlife is a public resource and we're really lucky um in north america that that wildlife is owned by the public and so um definitely collaborative for sure um and like i said year round so um even even outside these formal set times of the year we we are gathering information but uh yeah so what will happen is uh we'll have the sheridan meeting uh so actually we have these throughout every community not every community the big communities in the sheridan region now our sheridan region goes from the montana state line down to kc and all the way over to moorcroft actually um so when i say sheridan region it's a pretty pretty, large chunk of the northeast corner so we do try to spread out to communities um make it easy for folks to attend these so the first one will be march 20th in kc at the community library there at five o'clock um March 21st, we actually have two meetings going on. So one in Buffalo at the library from 5 to 7, one in Gillette at the library from 4 to 6. So um, we will be spread out trying to get both of those uh, communities that same evening. And then the Sheridan meeting will be at the Game and Fish office on March 22nd, again, from 4 to 7. So anytime between those hours, you're welcome to drop in. The final season setting meeting, and this is the formal presentation region-wide of like, everything that's going to be so if you come to the Sheridan meeting you're probably interested mostly in stuff around here and if you go to Gillette you're probably interested in stuff around Gillette or the Black Hills the final season setting meeting that'll be March 27th at the Game and Fish office at 6 p.m so that has a definite start time and that is when they will actually do a formal PowerPoint presentation of like here's what we're proposing for all the hunt areas in the region so it is it's the big one that so the, has, kind of it's big... got everything. Yeah. All the district, cause there are three, um, district biologists within the Sheridan region. So this will be combining all three of their recommendations just before it goes on to the commission and, yeah, stuff, and the yep. decisions are actually made. Yep. So all of this then is sent to the commission and they will review everything at their April meeting. And, uh, again, they're looking at all the comments. Um, folks, some folks actually go to the commission meeting and make comments in person. Um, so they will take all of that information, make the final decision at their April meeting. Fantastic. All right, folks, if you're interested, make sure that you get in there. This is also a fantastic opportunity to just get some information about the area. Yeah. 
and the wildlife within that area. Yeah. And that's always beneficial to a hunter. When we come back, we're going to continue with the Wyoming Game and Fish Department. This is Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM. Shared. and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 cash and a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media. As part of their community commitment, 307 Discovery Center is receiving these funds per random drawing. Could your organization be next? We're giving $1,000 to a qualified nonprofit organization every week. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Sheridan Media present Community Commitment. Member FDIC. I'm here today with Candace Crane from Sheridan Honda and Power Sports. Tommy, hi. I'm kind of sad. Snowmobile season is coming to an end, but you know what that means. Say Pat these days. No, I'm talking about spring break for 2024 Ski-Doo and Link Sleds. What's spring break? It's when you can pre-order one of the 2024 models and get an extra year of warranty or $750 worth of parts and accessories for free. I guess it's time to spread the word about spring break. It is. Stop in before March 31st to put your deposit in for your dream machine. Visit Sheridan Power Sports for your spring break needs. Delicious McDonald's deals are now more fun, more accessible, and better than ever through the McDonald's mobile app. The app is now the only place you can earn My McDonald's reward points on every McDelivery order. Plus, you can get those free McDonald's rewards you earn delivered, too. Just order, relax, and enjoy. McDonald's will bring your faves to you. Just go to the Google Play or Apple App Store and download the new McDonald's mobile app and start saving. Download it now. McDonald's, Sheridan, Buffalo, and Gillette. You know, there's a lot of different kinds of springs. There's a kind that you wind up tighter than two coats of paint. There's the ones you pull apart and they spring back, and there's the kind you push together and they bounce back. And there's the kind of spring that is time to get your 4 before side-by-side tuned up for the year. Just call Handos and Joe will spring into action. Heck, he'll even come and get it. Tune it up, fix it up, even rev it up. 4 before spring tune-ups at Handos Service Center on Sheridan's Heartland Drive. Hi, I'm Tom Connors. Went to Mark Patrick's hypnosis seminar. Nothing worked before. Left there and never smoked again. Amazing. Easy, affordable, and guaranteed. A year later, with my wife Michelle, attended Mark Patrick's weight loss seminar. She lost 18 pounds, and I lost 43 in eight weeks. It's true. He smoked two packs a day, and nothing worked until Mark Patrick hypnosis. Now we're losing weight together, eating healthy, full on half the food. Crazy. Enjoying exercising. Who would have believed Mark Patrick hypnosis really works. It's amazing. I can breathe again. My blood pressure went down and I've got so much energy. So much energy. And look great. Stop smoking. Lose weight. Now without cravings, irritability, or your money back. Only $49.99 guaranteed. The weight loss seminar today at the Ramada Inn in Sheridan at 5.30 p.m. Registration at 5. Stop smoking seminar at 8. Registration at 7.30. Sign up at markpatrickseminars.com. Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse, brought to you by our friends out there at First Federal Bank and Trust. I'm Floyd Whiting. I am joined this morning by Game and Fish Public Information Specialist Christina Schmidt. Season setting and open house meetings are taking place this month. Make sure that uh, you know when and where that's going to take place. Now, Christina, uh, as, as we look down 
at the season itself changing, one thing that I did want to touch on. Bears are not going to start waking up for, what, another month? Or are they already... I know, it's kind of a when they wake up, they wake up. When they wake up, they wake up. I I did hear that a grizzly bear has been spotted in Yellowstone already. So, um, you know, certainly, like you said, um, it tends to be my understanding is that... um, Males come out of dens first, later come females without cubs, and last are the females with cubs. Mom that's, stays in there as that's long as she can. That's kind of my understanding, though. You said, like you said, it's it's variable. Um, you know, just like when they go in, can be variable, and when they come out, can be variable. But for sure, within a few weeks, I yeah, for sure, I think bears will be out, and, and it'll be time to start. Doing some some bear wise um, work on your your property and make sure you know trash and attractants and all that are picked up because they'll be hungry. You, you know? know, it was always the barbecue that kind of set me off because I was like, wow, I didn't even think of that. But yeah, those things smell amazing, and a bear will destroy a barbecue. They have an amazing sense of smell, and they're always hungry, and they're smart. You combine all of those, and it's just this constant. Um, look for food. I've got big friends like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always hungry. Always looking always for food. Always hungry. I yeah, they I mean if you think about it, they've they've been in, you know, starving in it in, in for 4 months. So yeah. when they come out they're hungry and um yeah, we'll we'll definitely talk more about that as 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 bears start coming up that, you know, things that we can do to to help and make sure they they don't get into conflicts. The feed, the dog food, just make sure it's inside of a, of a stable enclosed area. Yeah, correct. Yes. Because uh, they'll tear down a wall, too. I'm sure there's a lot of videos out there online of oh, bears yeah. just uh, <laughs> inviting themselves in. Now, uh, th- this winter, uh, you and I have talked about it a little bit this morning, how harsh it has been. Uh, I've gotten a couple stories from the Wyoming Game and Fish. You and I have talked about this in the past. This winter has been hard on the wildlife, hasn't it? it? it yeah, certainly it's a more significant winter than we've seen in the recent past. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine who said last year he plowed three times and now he's plowing Every a morning. lot. Yeah. Um, so definitely a big change from certainly last year. And, you know, it seems like we've had some mild winters and folks I talk to say, hey, this this used to be what Sheridan would have for winters you know years ago this is but it, it is significant for sure the it's, old winters it's, of the past the right. winters of the past i've heard several people say that um that have lived here a long time and said boy it's been a long time since we've seen a winter like this but it's it, you know we used to get these um and uh so yeah it has been significant certainly you know gosh i think we've all watched other parts of the state with you know uh. just the amount of snow they're getting in the wind and uh, you know, the struggle to keep roads open and, and all of that. So it, it, it is a tough winter for sure. Uh, so it, what's just some real quick things that I can do to help out this, uh, the wildlife population in my area? Um, one thing that you and I've talked about in the past is the feeding. And that's, that's one that I would like to touch on because I do get individuals who are like, why am I not allowed to feed the deer? Why, why are you going to, you know, hamper me in this? I, I want to interact with my wildlife. Why don't we feed the deer? So mule deer have a very specialized digestive system. And as bad as our winter is, they are adapted for these conditions. I mean, these, these are tough animals. They 
they are are used to this is their neighborhood this is their neighborhood they are used to these conditions that being said um feeding them actually can do more harm than good so because of this very specialized digestive system they have bacteria in their digestive system that actually the assemblage changes during the year okay okay and but this happens slowly okay so in the spring their bacteria assemblage will start to change and ramp up to start taking in this lush green nutritious nutrient dense rich food right that that spring early summer grass and and forbs and things like that that they eat they're going to be taking that in that that's pretty nutrient dense rich food right so their it's bacteria the good stuff. It's the like good stuff. Year, yeah. yeah so the bacteria in their gut will be adjusted for that but this this happens over weeks you know um, and then as fall and winter approaches that bacterial assemblage switches again and it changes to start taking in more woody less nutritious drier type forage so they are adapted to this and their stomachs are are ready for the types of food for each season this dry the dry kind of the horrible stuff right. right i mean you look at what they're eating and it's you know it's pretty poor forage they eat less they try to conserve more energy but what they are eating is 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 certainly less nutritious but their their digestive system is is adapted for that but this happens slowly so what happens is right now their bacteria is taking on this woody dry forage it's kind of used to this you go all of a sudden provide some grain some apples some corn stuff that some we alfalfa, think is good. stuff that you think man they need to put on some calories they need some nutrition that's really a shock to their system um and and in some cases they can't actually even digest it um and uh our wardens and biologists have seen animals with full bellies of food that have died um, of wow. starvation they they cannot actually digest that so um feeding yeah mule deer particularly very sensitive um they're adapted to this stuff and when we throw at them this this stuff that we think is good it's really actually not good for them plus you know it concentrates them and it can spread disease it might make them more prone to vehicle collisions coming and going from places so um that being said people say what can i do and there are things we can do um you know Certainly this year with the amount of snow on roadways and um, or on the side of roadways and out um, on the landscape, they're actually on the roads a little more. Using it as a, a Using trail. it because yeah. it's snow free, you mm-hmm. know. Um, it's an easier path. And again, it's all about energy conservation for them at this point. Um, they have gone through, we're actually entering the really critical time for them. They've gone through a lot of their stored fat reserves that they built up all spring, summer, and fall. They are depleting it, depleting it, depleting it, trying to get to spring when things will improve again. So, uh, yeah, they're going to look for the easiest ways to travel. They're going to look for open areas to get to. Um, So vehicle collisions, boy, really slow down. I know I talk about this a lot, but... it's a big one, um, yeah. for sure. Give them time. I've seen on my commute, um, just on some of the back roads, when they're trying to cross, it's kind of icy. They're trying to, to run and can't get good traction sometimes. And the snow is so high 
on the sides of the roads. They can't jump they up can't and over. They can't get up and over. So give them extra time. You can do that. Um, when you're out recreating, especially if you have a pet, give them lots of space. Um, again, they're, we don't want them to waste energy trying to move away from you. You know, they don't know that you're not trying to harm them, mm-hmm. but they are going to actively try to get away from you if you get too close. Um, and the, if the dog chases them, and that the dog, is just, yeah, for sure, exhaust them very quickly, very quickly. Um, and, and we do have dogs actually get a hold of, of deer and, um, injure or, or kill them. So, uh, for sure, keep your pets leashed. Um, I, I have two dogs, one who has zero interest in deer, and then, and he's very old and he wouldn't be able to chase him. But I have another one who would definitely, and I never have her off a leash. That, I just know that about her. And yeah, so she, yeah. she's she, got that instinct. She's got that instinct and she sticks with me all the time. So that's a big one. Um, and for property owners, if you have fences that you're able to lower that top wire a little bit, it makes it easier for animals to get over, traverse. Um, again, they're going to be moving a little more this year. Looking for open areas, they're going to be looking for sheltered areas to get out of, you know, the weather. Um, make it easier, if yeah. you can, for them to uh, move around. Uh, if you have gates, you can leave open. If you don't have livestock or something that you're trying to contain, leave gates open or lay gates down. That just gives them, again, easier passage moving to and from places. Well, that's fantastic news. And, uh, you know, I'm really hoping that uh, the reports of, like, die-off are not overwhelming at the end of this winter uh there's been some projections and some estimations and they they don't really sound that positive so i'm hoping that the final number once the the biologists get everything worked out we realize wow these guys are a little hardier than we we gave them credit for but make sure that you're not feeding them folks uh i know your your heart is in the right place but they are adapted to this weather they are adapted to this area they know where to find their food. Christina, I want to thank you so much for coming in this morning. Uh, it's always a pleasure having you, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, when we come back, we're going to speak with the Whitney Center for the Arts. This is Public Pulse on 930 KROE 103.9 FM. There it is. Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 cash and a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media. As part of their community commitment, 307 Discovery Center is receiving these funds per random drawing. Could your organization be next? We're giving $1,000 to a qualified nonprofit organization every week. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Sheridan Media present Community Commitment. Member FDIC. The last few years, you need a tax planner to ensure you are getting the most value for your business. We offer advisory services customized to your needs to help maintain financial viability while achieving future goals. Come see us today, Parker Mellinger, focusing on where you're going, not where you've been. Champion Funeral Home is dedicated to providing compassionate and personalized service to your families. They provide support, personable care, and affordable prices to Sheridan and Johnson County and surrounding areas. Champion Funeral Home has been family-owned and operated since 1911. 
They will comfort you in your time of need and provide your family with a meaningful tribute to your loved one. Contact Champion Funeral Home at championfh.com or call 674-6369. Shan Foster with the Country Pet Inn talks about dog training and behavioral issues that dog owners may be experiencing. If the dog's not listening to you consistently and with distractions, it's not trained. And most people say, well, my dog's trained. It can sit, it downs, it comes when I call it. Well, what about when Joe Squirrel runs by? What about when that semi comes by honking its horn? Well, those are the things that I train for in real life. Most of the time, it's all through basic obedience. Now, by doing that, you take care of a lot of the behavioral issues, shyness issues, aggression issues, possession issues. When you put that dog in that mode or the dog understands its role, a lot of those things go away. Whether your dog has obedience issues where it doesn't listen to you or come to you when you call it, stealing food from the table, excessive barking, aggression issues, you name it, we'll work together to solve it. I help people understand their dog. I'm very fond of that. If you want to get a hold of me, go to countrypetin.com or call 674-8582. Mandy Koltiska from Century 21 BHJ Realty brings you this pet of the week from the dog and cat shelter. Meet Lilo and fall in love with her timid personality. This dog likes to run in the yard and enjoys all the love and attention she can get. If you want someone to join you for a lazy Sunday or a walk around the neighborhood, come and meet Lilo today. Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse brought to you by our friends out there at First Federal Bank and Trust. For the second part of our show this morning, I am joined by Dr. Robert Cerny and Dr. Mark Bergman will join us here in a little bit. He's working on some sound from the Whitney Center for the Arts. Good morning, Doc. How are you? I'm doing doing well. Thanks for having us. Uh, now, uh, How's, how's your winter season been? I, I was just talking with Christina Schmidt. It's been a pretty long, pretty rough winter season. Uh, I know the majority of the work that you do is on the inside, but uh, even those of us who work indoors, we miss being outside right now. We, we do. Uh, we've had a, a busy season of uh, concerts, as we always do, some choral things, a jazz concert last week, orchestral things coming up, so never a dull moment, so... Always, always busy up there at the center, Indeed. which is really good to hear. Uh, one thing that always kind of surprised me is the amount of musical talent that exists in this area. We are so fortunate, uh, and I don't know what it is about the area, but it just seems to attract really gifted people. We have a lot of students in our program at Sheridan College who are who are graduates of Sheridan and, and Bighorn High Schools, but we also have students who are from other areas and have been here for a couple of years. So yeah, I agree with you. The talent pool is very deep here. Absolutely. We were just joined by Dr. Mark Bergman. How are you, sir? I'm great. How are you, Floyd? Doing well. How's your winter been? Uh, it's been great. It's been a lot of snow, a little bit of shoveling, but all, all good. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. Of yeah. The little bit uh, uh, that has increased throughout this year, uh, I was just speaking with uh, Christina Schmidt, and she has a friend who's had to plow uh, twice as often this year as he did in the past. Uh, the the winters of the old days, I think, is, is what people are calling it. Well, you know, the, the more distance you get from the winter, the worse it gets. Yeah, there you go. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, those of us who, who have to bear it every year, at least uh, we know how to bear it, right? Now, um, let me just ask real quick, because Dr. Cerny, you're a singer. 
Correct. Uh, is that kind of the title itself, singer, or, or is it like voice performer? Or does it have something? I, I say I'm a singer. My 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 business card says director of choirs and vocal studies. But, but I <laughs> tell people, go. yeah, I'm a music teacher. That's what I do. There you go. Uh, now, Dr. Bergman, you play a few different instruments. I don't do. You? Yeah. Uh, which ones do you play? Well, double bass is my main instrument, but I also play the viola da gamba and the cello. And and what is it about those instruments? that well, really attracted you? I mean, because that's kind of diverse, isn't it? Uh, it is, but they're all string instruments. For me, the, the great thing about a string instrument is um, in many ways the string instruments mimic the quality of the human voice, but they don't have the limitation of having to breathe. So uh, I also was not gifted with a beautiful voice like my colleague, Dr. <laughs> Cerny. Uh, I'll tell you, my, my first sight singing exam in college, we all have to do these things when we go to music school and we have to learn to play the piano. And we have to play two lines on the piano and sing a third line, right? They call play and sing exams. And my uh, my composition teacher was my my first sight singing t- teacher. And I finished my first exam. And he said to me, "This is a direct quote." He said, "Bergman, you got all the right notes, and that may be the ugliest sound." Ever. <laughs> <laughs> that was the most beautiful, ugly performance I've ever heard. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> well, there's there's the sign to switch to an instrument, right? Like that's that. right. Yes. <laughs> Time to move on to something else. All right. So, but there are those um, who can just nail this. And and one thing that's always fascinated me, uh, music itself, uh, kind of started right here in the voice. Uh, correct. I mean, like if we really reach back, we reach back to uh, the days before there was written music. Um, I think that's where it all, maybe a hum or something like that. So it all originated right in the voice. And if you enjoy that kind of performance, we have got one coming up for you. Can you tell me a little bit about the four note opera? I can. It's a a piece by Tom Johnson. He's an American composer. He wrote this piece in the 1970s, and it uses what we call minimalist aesthetic. It's got a small amount of material, and it literally has four notes. A, B, D, and E are the only notes appearing in the opera in all kinds of formations and in different octaves, of course, for the different uh, parts. And uh, it's a real uh, foray into metadrama, if you will. It's an opera about performing an opera. That's what the characters do. There's no storming the castle. There's no kings and queens of coronation. The characters are really stuck in the opera plot, and uh, they make references to, you know, we've sung this opera over and over, and this is the way we always do it because that's how it's written. And so they basically narrate the plot of the opera. So it's a, it's a great foray for people who may not be familiar with opera, but it also has some, I call them inside jokes, for people who do know opera forwards and backwards. You know, that's got to be... So difficult. Um, and, and this is just me looking from the outside in. I just, I'm fascinated, uh, and maybe I'm tone deaf or maybe just not trained enough in recognizing it. But I have friends who, who have the ability to just hear something and they can sing it so well. Um, as, as the singing instructor, uh, how do you take somebody who has trouble finding those tones and train them to hit it so well during a performance? I will say, first off, uh, some people do it innately and instinctually really well. Others, it takes more training. Um, 
uh, we put them in a context of where they are in a key, and there's the good old repetition, 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 and and honest feedback. And uh, it's it's a lot easier these days. You can you can record every lesson you do with the student and have them listen back to these markers and see see how it's improved or where it might still need work. So you really incorporate technology into the training. I do. Yeah. Oh, that's facet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, why wouldn't you, you know, come to think of it, everyone, I think maybe it's just because I'm the type of guy, you know, done, done many shows, listen to few because, because, <laughs> you know, either when I go back and I say like, write a news story, I'm listening to you. I'm not me. <laughs> I'm the guy who's like, I'm not, I'm not big on the sound of my own voice. But uh, it, the use of technology would open that up. Sure. Uh, now, when we look at opera itself, and I, I know I tend to get a little sidetracked on these things, but music fascinates me, and, and music history is absolutely uh, uh, fascinating. What do we have as far as the first known use of what we look at today as opera? There are, I might have to defer to my colleague, but there are numerous um, liturgical dramas, passion plays that were done throughout the medieval times and Renaissance. I think, is it 1590s, the first opera that we know, Daphne? The music is probably not extant any longer. Yeah, it's 16th century. Yeah, Yeah. is where it starts mostly. Fascinating. And and was it just a work into the style at the time? Uh, And it's what the kings and queens wanted to see and hear, and so that gained its popularity? It went that way from from uh, small, modest, as I said, liturgical dramas into much more spectacle. The spectacle didn't really hit until later in the 18th century, but yeah. And then it was kind of blown blown up to the, what we would look at as today as European opera. Yeah, I mean, composers like Monteverdi were trying to recreate what they thought was an authentic reproduction of Greek dramas. And it turns out they weren't very accurate at creating <laughs> Greek, Greek dramas, but they did come up with a pretty cool idea that integrated aspects of theater and music. And opera has been going strong in Europe ever since. Absolutely. Wow, that's that's pretty good stretch of time for a type of performance i mean if we really think about it you know break it down to genres some have come in and kind of faded out uh others like this stick around what do you think it is about opera that makes it so powerful in the uh 18th and 19th century wagner used his system of leitmotifs so characters got their own musical themes um uh, a, a united work of art and drama and music all rolled together. I mean, we know it today. You would see it in any film, right? Film scores where the music underscores the drama. Some people say Williams made Star Wars. Absolutely. Well, Williams also borrowed quite heavily from the classical repertoire to make mm-hmm. that score. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Yeah. 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 And, and as you said, uh, rip the music out of your favorite movie and watch it. It'd be a different movie. Good, good luck. Yeah, yeah, it would really transform that, wouldn't it? Now, when it comes to our our four-note opera, I mean, uh, one thing that I will tell people, if you've never been to a type of performance like this, you will find yourself experiencing a level of emotion at at just the thought of someone singing or, or the feeling in your chest you get when someone really sings that you've probably never felt before. Uh, It is a powerful moment, um, especially if you're going through it for the first time. How long have our performers 
been working on this opera? We started this, the chamber choir, we started in October. We worked with a Beethoven uh, Ninth Symphony last semester, and in October we started, so we've been working for a, a few months on this, and we're looking forward to completing this. We're only doing one performance. It's uh, Saturday, this March 11th at 7 o'clock in Kinison Hall. The I'll say the performance is free, but I'm encouraging people to call the box office and get tickets because there is only one performance, and we're not able to live stream this because we don't have the rights to live stream this. The composer is still living, and um, so we're asking people to call. It's six seven five zero three six zero is the number for the box office. Tickets are free, but we're asking people to make reservations. So this is. Uh, it- if you want to see this, you've got to be there in person this time around. Saturday night is your only chance. Oh, wow. And a one-time go. 311. Now, um, uh, I, I, you may have answered this, but just real quick, where does this particular opera come from in the world? Well, it's, as I said, it's by an American composer, Tom Johnson, and it's... I, I liken it to, if you're into theater, Luigi Pirandello wrote a, a, a piece in the 1920s, uh, Six Characters in Search of an Author, where the, the characters address the audience directly. It's metadrama. They know the audience is there. They make constant references to, well, we do it this way because that's the way the composer wrote it. So the characters in the drama know that they are characters in a drama. Breaking that wall. Absolutely, all the time. They basically say, at one of my favorite recitatives, they say, well, after this aria, we're going to sing a duet, which has nothing to do with the rest of the aria. And uh, we're, we're singing this now so the soprano has time to rest her voice before she sings her next aria. It's exactly the subtext of what's going on in the, in the drama at the time. That's amazing. You know, a lot of people think that that break in the fourth wall is something new. Uh, and and I, I've often wondered if it really was, if, if comedies were addressed in such a manner, to kind of take the audience by surprise to have that character turn around and say, what do you think? You know, and, and I think that's quite fascinating. It's a different way to kind of look at different things, uh, especially when it comes to performances, uh, live ones in particular. Now, for the lovers of brass, the Brass Ensemble and Symphony Band of Sheridan College will be giving a performance this month as well. When will this be held? Uh, that is the 12th. The 12th. Yeah, Sunday the 12th. And what are we going to be hearing out of, out of that one? That has, um, I believe it has the, the brass ensemble, which is an ensemble of trumpets and trombones and horns, plus the, uh, the symphonic band, the full symphonic band with winds and percussion as well. Now, uh, Doc, were we able to get the uh, the sound bites worked around? No, there was a technical glitch. So we got a tech yeah. glitch. That's okay. That's okay. It's one of those things that happens. It's uh, it it comes and goes, doesn't it? Technology <laughs> yeah. uh, sometimes it works with you, uh, too often it works against us. Now, the Wyoming Baroque. Uh, when will this be held? Well, that that concert is taking place in Sheridan on uh, Friday, March thirty first, uh, at Sheridan College. Now, when it comes to Baroque, uh, for those who may not know what this is, what is a Baroque? Well, Baroque uh, is, a, is a, a style of music that emerged from approximately 1600 to 1750. And the word Baroque comes from uh, a Portuguese term that means a misshapen pearl. And so uh, it was originally a term that was used as kind of a, an insult, right? To call something Baroque was to call it... Um, misshapen or, or imperfect, odd, imperfect in some way. And, and, um, it, 
began well the term began as a pejorative it, it was eventually embraced as a um as a stylistic attribute and in baroque music the musical language is designed to be immediately accessible so you you this these were pieces that were composed in such a way that there was no intention that the music would be repeated multiple times so it needed to be immediately accessible to the audience upon a first hearing and so the composers utilized a kind of notational shorthand to write the music and uh, you know the emotions for the music were are very much worn on its sleeve. One of the compositions that Wyoming Baroque is performing is an excerpt from Handel's uh, um, Oratorio Hercules, which is about Hercules. And the aria we're going to be singing is called "Where Shall I Fly?" And uh, her Hercules' wife is lamenting about how she was sort of tr basically tricked into killing him, and it drives her mad. And so there are all these rapid juxtapositions of, of emotions as she's sort of driven to insanity in this, uh, in this rage aria. Now, uh, one more time, when and where is this one going to take place so folks can plan on seeing this one? Sure. This program is called Heroes and Heroines, and it revolves around um, the, the theme and the, and the heroic characters from the Baroque era. So in addition to Hercules, there'll be excerpts from um, Telemann's Don Quixote, and um, a cantata by Barbara Strazzi, who uh, wrote a tragic, tragic, beautifully tragic piece called uh, Lagrime Me or Tears of Mine. And that concert takes place on March 30th at Kinison Hall and Sheridan College. It's part of a four city tour that Wyoming Baroque is engaged with. So we're, we're performing in Sheridan, uh, but we're also going to be performing in Cody and Billings and in Laramie. So the same program. The same oh, that's program. fantastic. Yeah. Now, uh, to get tickets to this, I need to call the... Call the box office or uh, Sheridan.edu um, forward slash arts. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, gentlemen, we've run out of time. I greatly appreciate you coming in and speaking with me about not just the events, but the history and the beauty of the music, because I think it really enriches the experience. Thank Thanks, you, Floyd. Gentlemen. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for having us. All right. You've been listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM. Sure. Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 cash and a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media. As part of their community commitment, 307 Discovery Center is receiving these funds per random drawing. Could your organization be next? We're giving $1,000 to a qualified nonprofit organization every week. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Sheridan Media present Community Commitment. Member FDIC. America. 1196 and rest easy knowing it'll be done right. This is Dan Rapp with Rapp Plumbing and Heating. And as we like to say, if you find a leak, let me take a peek. 
A tradition that started in 1934 is continuing into the new name and ownership of Waring Sheridan Chevrolet. You're still seeing the same faces that you've come to know at Hammer Chevrolet, now with the new name of Waring Sheridan Chevrolet. Same service department, sales team, parts, collision center. Waring Sheridan Chevrolet, honored to carry on the tradition of being Sheridan's top-tier full-service dealership. Stop by and welcome new general manager Tim Kugler and new sales manager Nolan Lemire's Hammer Chevrolet, now Waring Sheridan Chevrolet, a 107 East Alger. Mossholder's Design Center proudly carries tons of American-made furniture companies. And right now, every piece of USA-made furniture is on sale. That means every single mattress, most sofas, most sectionals, and lots of chairs will be discounted. The majority of leather products and nearly all reclining pieces are made in the United States, too. Even select bedroom groups made from real barnwood or hand-finished by the Amish are on sale right now. Come support American factories and American workers at Mossholder's American-made sale. Going on now. Mossholder's furniture is our passion. You bagged your trophy elk. Now imagine having its ivory handcrafted into the perfect piece of jewelry. At Legacy Diamond and Gems, their in-house jewelers can take your memory of the big hunt and preserve it into fine pieces of jewelry to last generations. Using your imagination, the skilled jewelers at Legacy Diamond and Gems can create something truly exceptional. Visit them at 11 North Main Street or online at LegacyDiamondGems.com. Hurry in now. Basil Law. A house of yours is falling down all around you. That's a problem. The real problem is not the problem at all. Rather, the problem is your attitude about the problem. Savvy? You need Devin at Wire Renovation, mate. He'll make you an offer on any home in any condition, no matter the problems, and get you out of your problem, usually for cash. I prefer Ron. Find out more at wirerenovation.com or on Facebook. First Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 cash and a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media. As part of their community commitment, 307 Discovery Center is receiving these funds per random drawing. Could your organization be next? We're giving $1,000 to a qualified nonprofit organization every week. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Sheridan Media present Community Commitment. Member FDIC. A great meal that benefits a great cause. The Knights of Columbus Lenten Fish Fry Dinner, 4.30 to 6.30 p.m. this Friday, March 10th at 301 East Brundage in Sheridan. Tickets are $12 a person, $50 for a family of five or more. Dine in or take it out. Proceeds benefit the Holy Name Catholic School Tuition Assistance Fund. For shut-in delivery, call 672-0936. The Knights of Columbus Fish Fry Dinner, this Friday at Rodolini Hall, where the Knights of Columbus meet. From the Wyoming Corporate Office Studio on 103.9 FM and News Talk 930. K-R-O-B.